You guys, welcome to the show. Get excited. I am. I have been super looking forward to this particular interview. All my favorite stuff is happening today. I'm talking to a chef. I love chefs. I'm talking about food. I love food. We're talking about sustainable sourcing. That jazzes me up. So today's conversation is so fun. I'm talking to chef, restaurant owner, founder of Yolele, all about ancient grains and specifically Fonio, which you probably don't know what that is, but you're about to. Created in partnership with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, this is Make Me Care About. I'm Jen Hatmaker, and with me is Pierre Tiam. And today, Chef Tiam is helping us care about ancient grains, and specifically, Fonio. Chef Tian, welcome. I am so delighted to meet you. Thanks for having me, Jen. I am famously enamored with chefs. And so you're just going to have to forgive my enthusiasm. It, it knows no bounds. You're forgiven. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, yeah, I'm forgiven. Perfect. <laughs> now we're friends. Down and dirty. What exactly is an ancient grain? An ancient grain is a grain that's been domesticated in ancient times, usually millennia. So Fonio, for instance, has been around 5,000 years, so it counts as an ancient grain. Many of the grains that we have today are ancient grains. Rice, wheat, quinoa, those are grains that come with lots of history and culture and oftentimes very good for the environment. They happen to be resilient. That's why they're ancient. They're still around after all this time. That makes sense. So how exactly do ancient grains grow? Well, humanity began growing ancient grain with the simple method of like tilling the soil, planting the seeds, waiting for the rain, waiting for the season, and then it grows. And depending on the type of grain, harvest comes sooner or later. Case of Fonio, for instance, is the fastest maturing grain. Within two months, you can harvest Fonio. And it grows in an area called the Sahel. Senegal, my country of origin, is located south of the Sahara Desert, so really dry and arid. And Fonio thrives in that area. So it's a grain that's drought resistant. It's a grain that grows in poor soil. And, and not many grains can grow in poor soil. But it's also a grain that regenerates the soil because it has deep roots that add nutrients to the soils. Some other grains require more irrigation, more water, and that's the problem we're having now because water is becoming more and more precious. So grains like rice or corn or others, you know, wheat, require water, require certain conditions, and they, they become less and less resilient. So for Fonio, really all you need is wait for the first rain to come, and they really throw the seeds, barely tilling the soil. And that's why it's called the lazy farmer's crop, because after throwing the seed, they can go and, and chill and wait for the harvest to come. Even if the rain is not a good rainy season, Fonio is guaranteed to grow. Mm. So besides being super fast growing and resilient and easy to grow, are there any other benefits that Fonio has for the farmers who grow that particular crop? Oh, absolutely. So the fact that it grows fast is very, very important because the farmers, they depend on the harvest. And sometimes harvest is not good, you know, because the rainy season hasn't been good. But they know they can rely on Fonio to come even in between harvests. So it comes in two months and they can wait for the other season, the other crop to come, maybe. 
in the next two months. So they know Fonio will be there. That's why they also call it the hungry rice, because in season of hunger, Fonio is there to guarantee that farmers will have something to eat. It's also a grain that's very nutritious, that fits in the category of what we call superfoods. It's a tiny grain, but it's nutty and it cooks, it cooks really fast and it's very versatile. So you can use it in so many different kinds of cuisine, all different f- sauces. It takes the flavors because it's neutral. I think I'm most fascinated with how Fonio is this quadruple threat, right? It's good for the environment. It's sustainable. It is so good for our bodies. It's delicious to taste. Would you mind taking us back just a little bit? Let's go to the beginning. How and when and where and why did you fall in love with food? What was your relationship with food and the kitchen and cooking when you were a kid? Oh, boy. I grew up in Dakar, Senegal, in West Africa. And if you know a little bit about our culture, food is central. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner is prepared from scratch. My mom goes to the market pretty much on a daily basis. So everything is fresh. You become enamored with food, even though, you know, as a boy, I wasn't in the kitchen. This is is a gender-based activity in Senegal, but you're still into the kitchen. You jumped over that gender barrier because you have built an enormous, incredible, impressive career in food. Can you just talk a little bit how you went from a kid who came home and got fresh fish for lunch, to what it is that you do now. How did you get from A to B? So it wasn't obvious. Again, like I said, it's gender-based. So I had no dreams of becoming a chef growing up. And so I did my studies and went to university for physics and chemistry in Senegal. Oh, so, my. <laughs> so, oh, boy, yes. Yeah. Oh, boy. And I, I, I had no love for it. Yeah. And I found this university college out of all places in Ohio that accepted my application and got a student visa. And on my way to Ohio, I had to stop by New York City. And 30 years later, I was still in New York City. (laughs) My very first job was a busboy. So the chef in that kitchen became a friend of mine because he also liked practicing his French with me. He's like, after your busing shift, why don't you come in the kitchen and start washing dishes the way I did. And that's when it's interesting because you start learning the salads, you start learning the dressings and the vinaigrettes, and that's chemistry. All the sauces, the heat, everything was like, I could connect with that in a way that was much more interesting than than what I was studying in the labs back in, in universities. And that's really when I started to look for the food from back home, the food from, from my origins. That became a mission for me, and that became my very first African bistro that I called Yolele in Brooklyn, early 2000. That's incredible. And that buzz gave me an opportunity to write my first cookbook. And this is when the idea for the grains, the ingredients really came to be. If I could figure out a way to create a supply chain that would connect the small farming communities in Africa all the way to the global market, I could have not only benefit my readers so they can create the flavor that I'm trying to bring to them in an authentic way. But I also could have an impact because those farming communities are among the poorest ones in the world. And now I'm like thinking even further, I'm like, if I could do it, I could do it also by bringing ingredients that really also have an impact on the environment. Ingredients that are grown in a regenerative type of way, ingredients that are 
not affecting the climate. Because when you think about climate change, you know, the food system is one of the main culprit. There are amazing products in Africa that are being ignored because they're not part of the system. That's incredible. I mean, there's no downside. So when we're talking about the global phenomenon that affect, obviously, most farming practices, like other crops, aren't these ancient grains also at the mercy of the impact of climate change? Oh, yes, they are. But the advantage of these ancient crops is their resiliency. The effects of climate change are, you know, inconsistent rainfall, degradation of the soil. Those crops have proven that not only they can make it through those, but they can also reverse the effect of climate change because they can restore the soil. Fonio's agriculture restores the topsoils, which is very important because it's growing just south of the Sahara Desert. Increasing its agriculture is also a way to slow the advance of the desert because it will restore the topsoil and other crops can also grow in that soil, including trees that are resilient as well. All right, so far, this is super interesting to me. I love to talk about the future of sustainable food. Coming up in the second half, stick around because I am really interested to find out what are the challenges that farmers, particularly in West Africa, are facing here. And I'm also interested in the effect of climate change on Fonio and also does Fonio have a positive net effect on our environment? This is Make Me Care About. Hey, I'm Samuel Colin Senyimba. I'm a senior program officer at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. My role is to help farmers get access to credit, insurance, and savings so that they can improve their farm yields. Since joining the foundation seven years ago, I'm inspired by the work of our partners to make sure that critical innovations are affordable and accessible. In parts of Africa, for example, our partners are helping protect smallholder farmers from the impact of extreme weather shocks through access to agriculture insurance products that enable farmers to build resilience and continue investing in improving their farms. This is just one example of the exciting and impactful work in this space. If you found today's episode inspiring and want to learn more about the amazing stories of our partners, their progress and impact, visit us at gatesfoundation.org and sign up for our newsletter, The Optimist. Created in partnership with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, this is Make Me Care About. I'm Jen Hatmaker, and with me is Pierre Tiang, chef, restaurateur, cookbook author extraordinaire, and today Chef Tiam is helping us care about ancient grains. Chef, what have you learned currently is the biggest challenge that farmers in Africa face today? Well, one of the biggest challenge is they don't have access to markets. So what they have is they have amazing crops. They know how to grow them, but it's limited to their on subsistence. Another challenge is there's not enough research being done on the amazing crops that they have, on the agronomy or better agricultural practices, on how to improve the yield. So they're stuck with that method of growing those crops that was taught to them over time by their ancestors and over generations. And they are 
ways to improve it while still becoming more efficient, while still keeping, you know, good agricultural practices. So that's the challenges that they're having. Lack of investments, lack of access to markets. Okay. So let's say that is not met with any solution. They can't find a foothold in the global market or improve farming practices. What are the consequences? Like, what's at stake here if nothing changes? I can't even begin to think about it. If nothing changes, it's our whole food system that's collapsing. And we know that the food system is is collapsing because of monoculture, because of the limited diet, because we don't bring these crops into the market. What happens when you don't bring these crops into the market? They disappear. There's a solution. That solution depends on unlocking the potential of those underutilized crops. We fail to do it. That means we are going to lose the knowledge that came with those crops. We're going to lose that biodiversity. We're going to be stuck with the same monocultural food system, agricultural system that is destroying the planet at a fast pace. So that's not an option. So these are a solution to more than one problem. These actually answer quite a few issues facing not just the farmers and the local community, but food security at large. So I'm curious, can you tell me a little bit more about some of the other ancient grains? You and I have talked a lot about Fonio, but any of the other ancient grains that you believe can also be leveraged by farmers? Oh, yes. I can tell you about millet, even though Fonio is from the millet family. Millet is important. So it's it's another one that grows in Africa and Asia that we need to include into our food system. And another one is sorghum, too, from the same family. Another one is teff. Both of those are grown in Africa. Sorghum is grown outside of Africa, too, but it's not also being used in our food system, not the right way. They are resilient crops that are grown. Like Amaranth is another one, and, and I can go on and on. One of them is, a, uh, we call it Nere in Senegal. It's a seed from a tree from the Acacia family. That seed is fermenting, and it's an amazing, amazing flavor agent. You know, it's like umami. And the amazing thing about that tree is the fact that it grows there. Its roots fixes the nitrogen. So it's like the just planting crops like fonio around that tree increases the yield of the fonio naturally. So you can, nature have already offered solution. Another plant is baobab. Baobab is also a tree that grows in the region. Amazing. The fruit of the baobab has a, one of the highest amount of vitamin C. It's quite delicious. I mean, you can use it in yogurts, in drinks. And the leaves of the baobab are amazing too in the salad and it could be used as a thickener for sauces. It's very important that we don't think of one particular grain as the answer. It shouldn't work like that. It's important that we think of systems and just open markets for all of them, not only for one crop. Otherwise, what's going to happen? The farmers are going to say, hey, there's market for fonio. Let's grow fonio year-round. You know, we want them to grow fonio, to grow other millet, to grow teff, to grow sorghum, to grow quinoa. We need all of those to have an abundance for our own health. To us. We have a diversified diet, and that's really what our body requires, and, and that's what our planet requires, it turns out. So, Chef, as we get close to... Wrapping up here, let's just go pie in the sky. Let's just imagine a future, the one that you're working toward, where we are only growing sustainable crops. Can you just talk about what benefit that would have 
on society overall, globally, how would the increased use of ancient grains really benefit us all? Well, this is a future that to me is taking us back to the past. You did say ancient grains, and that, that's really for all of those reasons, we will be bringing food to its right place, which is the, at the center, really. Food is really where it begins. You know, the small farmers will have access to a market and he will have access to fair trade, right? Fair price for him. It would be a way for him to have a dignified living from his own products, not from like anything that was imposed on him. A food should be something that would be accessible. That would be a given right to every single human being. And that is the place where we need to be. But that's the revolution. When we don't think profit as like bottom line for shareholders in big corporations, with impact on, on our health, impact on our planet, impact on, on the communities that have been growing it and they should be benefiting from it. That's the time when we will be going to that path, but with more access for everyone. And we'll be healthier to boot with this diversified diet. I love that. Well, I'll tell you, I'm going to absolutely buy my first package of Fonio. I cannot wait. I'm going to tell you how I cooked it. Uh, and looking forward to introducing it to my family, to my repertoire, to my recipe list. I'm so delighted to have learned this from you. And I thank you so much, not just for your time today, but for using your influence and your space and your voice and your knowledge to help change the world in a really beautiful and positive way. And so I'm telling you, if we didn't already, you have made us care about ancient grains. So thanks for being with us today, Chef. It's my pleasure, Jen. I loved learning about this today. If you'd like to learn even more about Chef Pierre Tiam's work, check out the show notes, you guys. And if you liked this episode, definitely follow the show to hear more things to care about. And we'd be super grateful if you shared this episode with a friend. Make Me Care About is produced by Jesse Baker and Eric Newsom of Magnificent Noise. Our production staff includes Sabrina Farhi, Hewitegatana, Julia Natt, and Kristen Muller. Our executive producer is Eric Newsom, and I'm your host, Jen Hatmaker. 